Uh. Hey, security peeps. It is Renee Small. I am here today with another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, and this is a special edition, and we're all dressed up. I have my some fabulous people with me. My wonderful co-host, Chris Folon. Say hi to everyone, Chris. Hey, everyone. And the amazing Brian Hoagley. Say hi to everyone, Brian. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so Brian is here with a ton of fun stuff. He's been entertaining us by bringing in his hashtag CISOLife and side channel. And he is a CISO and he does a ton of different things. Here are some training. Um, he has this awesome whiteboard that he's going to be talking to us on about um he also one of the things that, that happened how we ended up connecting with him is because he wrote this post about breaking into cyber and it pretty much went viral so brian tell us a how you broke into the field and all the stuff that you do we want to just jump in hear a lot about you and then um and then we'll start talking about this this post that everyone jumped on because okay. it's such a, a big challenge going on right now yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, great. I've been watching you guys for a while and following what you're doing. I think this is great. We need more of this. And um, I'm glad that it's live, too. So you get people, you know, really kind of like breaking away and, and making time for this. So I, I, I love the live video. Um, you, you, my like short story on me, you know, I got started at a very young age. Um, I basically came out of high school, went right into the hacking community as a a uh, pen tester and red teamer. Um, and then I went into uh, the US military and then the DOD and the intelligence community. Um, I oversaw one of the major programs for the Pentagon cyber program uh, from 2011 to 2015. Got recruited out of that. My first foray really into corporate America as the first vice president and CISO at a Fortune 500 insurance company up here in Boston. So moved around a lot um, and got up to here. And then stepped away in April of last year to uh, take a virtual CISO consulting firm full time. We've been doing that very successfully now for a year. And that's um, side channel. So you see underneath the brand. And we push a lot of uh, content um, ourselves through uh, through that company for free and focusing on mid-market companies, small businesses, really the firms that uh, don't have a CISO, don't have the type of expertise um, and need it. And, um, you know, I couple that a lot with, you know, little, little passion about me from previous, like I wanted to be a history teacher at a high <laughs> school, like just, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted computers to be my hobby, the thing I liked to do. I had no intention of it becoming my profession. So I always wanted to be a teacher. And, um, I always felt like students, especially when I went to college and I started college later at 22, um, and graduated when I was 26. And being kind of a non-traditional student, you know, I kind of overcame a bit of the, you know, that that first burn year where you think if you're wasting your money, your parents' money or your own money. Um, so I didn't have to do that. Like I went to school, I was paying for it. And like, I was like, you know, motivated. But then meeting with all these other young students, they didn't know what to do. And the biggest thing I heard, and I kind of already had, you know, my legs under me having worked in corporate America a bit. Um, they didn't know what they were going to do. Like coming out, they're like, oh, I just got to get a degree. I got to do this, but, but, but I hope I get a job. I was like, ah, oh. and then I looked around and I loved my college. My program was great. Um, it was a SUNY school up in, uh, outside of Syracuse called SUNY Morrisville, amazing, uh, four-year bachelor's program really equipped all of us to, you know, for the academic aspects and everything we wanted, but still it was like, 
what do we what do we do now there's internships and that was all good but it's still what do we do and i hate hearing that question from students because you spent four years you know <laughs> hoping to come out with i know what i'm going to do like yeah. i like this is this is going to be clear cut and then you hear about the you know everyone just talking about how there's a skill shortage but then there's still all these students and young people who are like but i, I can't connect with that skill shortage like how do i help start meeting it so the genesis for the discussion was i was at an isc squared the Boston chapter and uh, Bill Bowman, a uh, good friend and uh, CISO asked me to come in and speak. And I was, I was the third, third person talks. So I was right after Jerry, who's a CISO for Logman. And um, I think, her, I forget, I think her name is Patty. She's like the head of, head of some aspects of security over at Harvard. So I followed these two and I was like, oh, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> and I had like my, my basic, you know, my basic presence and presentation. And I just kind of ran with it. And it became this snippet of, you know, why is everyone requiring uh, college degrees, like on everything that we're trying to hire for? I'm not. And my point was not. And some people took it the wrong way. that college degrees are bad. They're not. I believe in them. I'm on the board at my co at, at my alma mater. I believe in college degrees. But as a CISO and thinking back when I was a CISO, why did I use that as a as a discriminator? For any type of talent. I had men and women coming out of the military, coming out of two-year degrees, coming out of no degrees that worked for me there and other places that are phenomenal. And I would never have seen them if HR had made me keep the requirement in there that they had to have a four-year degree. So that's how it happened. And, and I remember back to, well, back in the day when I was just coming out of school, I refused to get my bachelor's after I got my associates because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so for the longest time, I, I just took general courses and eventually I went with a business degree because I figured that that would be the longest uh, or the provide the most revenue back for me um, before I went and got my master's. But I didn't get that until uh, seven years later because um, I wanted to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And while I was in Europe, I was part of a, a student exchange organization that I saw so many students coming from different countries that had masters in IT, masters in biology, masters in everything. But what they were doing now was totally different than their degree. And they're like, yeah, we went to school. We didn't really know what we wanted. And we got a degree in something that we're never going to use again. Um, so I, re I refuse to be that student. <laughs> well, Brian, you talked about you also talk about, um, to Chris's point, having coming in a little bit later and mm -hmm. knowing what you want to do, and a lot of these students that don't know what they want to do. Um, we've had some, and and the reason why Chris and I started this podcast is because we've had students that have gone back to school, gotten a degree, and their big struggle is that they still can't break in. Mm. And it's been a, a real challenge. Um, and we are all for, you know, however you want to do it. You know, if you want to, if you're going back to school, I, I'm a proponent. I'm figuring out where I want to go back, you know, what I want to learn next mm. and go back to school. I know Chris, he's teaching now and then he has his master's. So we definitely are proponents of continuing education however way in whatever way you want to you know you want to do it but what we've seen as a really big challenge is the people who've actually gone 
gotten a degree in cyber and then they still find this huge struggle. You made a point about HR putting up this um, barrier. Has you have you seen that as a, a huge challenge? Like I, I, you know, I'm HR. I used to sit in HR department, multiple HR departments. Have you seen the challenge of? Um, well, I guess it's a two part. It's, it's two mm-hmm. different questions. Question number one is around. What kind of advice do you give to people who have a degree in cyber mm-hmm. and can't break in or they're d- just going through that struggle? The second piece of it is around the HR component and having HR, you know, having to, it seems as though there's a battle with, you know, the, the actual practitioner and HR to say, we do not need degrees for these roles. Right. So... Talk to us notes. about those two pieces, those two um, okay. comments. Yeah, yeah. I'm just making notes off screen here. So, sure. so breaking, so breaking in. I think, you know, there's so there's so many ways to do it, and I think the biggest one. So Taylor Lehman, uh, he and I just had a whole discussion on this as well, and and we we kind of keep positioning this like, you've you've got to network. You've got to use your network to break in. Like that's the first and biggest thing. And the in order to to use that network, you need to develop a network. You need to create it well before you actually need it, right? So like if you're in high school or you're thinking about going down this track, even if you're not, right, you need to start learning how to become a people person, how to how to really start engaging and building relationships and cultivating relationships. Because I can guarantee you, even outside of cybersecurity, the only way I think you're going to be really effective in getting into the roles that you want is through networking period so i think you know technologists we have a real hard time getting our, our heads outside of that box of like oh it's tech oh it's it's this is really logical i'm just gonna do a tech thing and then get a tech job and then boom boom there are people behind every keyboard behind every decision and and we really need to just be better and uh, unfortunately kind of stop being introverts some of us like i broke i used to be a real introvert you know, real, like, and, and it wasn't until I took a, a, a serious customer service job bartending that <laughs> that made me <laughs> become an extrovert because all of a sudden it was like, oh, the only way I'm going to make any money to pay rent is if, is if I'm nice and like outgoing and, and personable, like you would have met me prior to that. I was very just, I'm, I'm on IRC and I'm inside my room and I think that's daylight outside, but I'm not sure. I don't really care. Like I am not going out, you know, but like, so we need to just, we need to like grow. We need to just build those networks. That's the biggest thing. I think that that's it. And you need to kind of just not shotgun approach of like, Oh, I'll just send resumes out and wherever, like whoever talks to me is like, that's the best one I want to take. Like have a goal. Like, where do you want to work? If you, if you're in college right now and you know what, I want to be on the security team at Goldman Sachs. Well, then you got to make an effort to start figuring out who works at Goldman Sachs or who knows somebody who works at Goldman Sachs so that you can get introduced, start working into those groups, start figuring out where those people are. You know, if you're in security, you should know a thing or two about, you know, OSINT and like doing some intelligence gathering. And if you don't, you should you probably shouldn't be in security because that's a key piece to all of this. Start doing OSINT on the job you want five years from now. Start figuring out who's that person. Start putting yourself into a position where they are. And, and work your way in on the networking. I think that's that's just huge, is the networking component. There's yeah, a ton no. of other stuff, but that's, I think, the biggest chunk. 
Yeah, that, that key theme at RSA this year was um, the humans within the humanization of the field. But then also at B-Sides, smaller conference, um, in the career track, every single talk that was there talked about building your network, working either internally or externally to better your situation. But mm -hmm. you need the people component of it. Um, if you're in a SOC, you're being overworked. You need to work with the social in, uh, with the engineers <laughs> to tune the, to tune the sim better, so that right. you're not flooded with alerts. Or work with the team to get the types of logs that you need, so that you can better protect the network. But either way, you're you you're working with the people to help the tech be better. But there's that people aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. The, right. And to your second point. Oh, sorry, Renee. Go ahead. I was gonna. No, go ahead. Go point. ahead. You, the, I think the second component is is the piece, and this is where I can I, I think I can articulate like the my on my board. This is why I like I'm just a visual person. So like if I'm Bob and I'm trying to get a job, right? I've got a resume, right, and a set of skills. The 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 process now for job searching is just send out my resume to everybody. Okay. Well, if your goal, okay, is to get into one company and there's HR sitting on this end and the CISO or the hiring manager, whomever sitting kind of behind that, you've kind of got to go through these layers. So what most people don't understand, and I, and I had a short stint at a recruiting firm, so I learned a lot about this. There is a there is a breaking point before HR to weed through resumes. So there's a tool, uh, I don't know the other tools out there, Renee, maybe you know the other ones, but like Talent Hook was a huge tool to run resumes through um, uh, basically, uh, you know, you've got to have a set of keywords that, you know, everyone can use, right? Or that are in here. Talent Hook, this process is just doing optical character recognition or pattern matching on that resume. And the ones that get through, right, are the ones that had those keywords. So first step is a solid resume with the right keywords. I've even seen a hack where you take the job post put it in white, um, in, in, in uh, unreadable, in white, and post it into the footer of your, of your Word document that you submit. That'll get it right through, right? But also just kind of, you know, there's those tricks, but like genuinely you want to write your resume for the job you want. You can't, you've got to tailor it. So once you do that, say you get through this, this component, this is the hardest part next is HR. And here's why. As a CISO, I saw this. I would create and look for my my perfect job rec, okay? And if I was invested as a security professional and as a potential manager, I really did a lot of work here. Not everybody is, okay? So what they'll do is a lot of folks will just kind of create a job rec and just kind of hand it off to HR and then expect HR is fully knowledgeable about exactly what you're looking for. That's not always the case. I think what needs to happen in order for these people to really start breaking into the market that the CISO and the IT team and security team needs to see it's there's two aspects. There's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done here, but this right here between these two groups needs to get a lot better. CISOs, the hiring managers, whomever really need to work with the recruiting and the HR teams to articulate exactly what they're looking for and really push for the requirements that they want to see and the things that they're, that they don't care about, like use some stuff to screen, but, pull things out of your requirements that 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 you don't want. If, if you're adamant about not having a four-year degree as a requirement, tell HR, you are their customer. 
inside of the corporate inside of the corporate uh, space. It, it it's not the other way around. And this isn't a knock on HR. This is just about a relationship between two groups. HR has a job to find and screen and get you the right candidates and fill the job that you opened up. Okay. Otherwise, this group would do it themselves. And and that's not the point. This group has a job. It's called security. It's called risk management. HR needs to be able to step in, but they can only do it if they're educated. So I think, you know, like the the biggest component is is twofold, right? We as as leaders need to appropriately state what it is we want, enable HR to then go do the right thing. And honestly, if they're not able to do the right thing, you got to start looking at outside, um, you know, uh, recruiting firms who can kind of follow what it is you're looking for. Um, but then back to the first point, getting the introduction into that CISO, breaking in, is what's going to really help either one of two things, completely end run that entire process and then get a direct connection to the CISO, the hiring manager, somebody on the team, just making an introduction. Hey, can I buy you coffee? Hey, can I you know buy you a lunch? Right. I just want to talk to you about the cool things that you're doing over there. I'd be really interested in working on your team when the time is right. If I had anybody come to me and say that when I was a CISO, they are first in my head when I've got an opening, right? The other piece that it does is, is it, 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 bring, it just brings the whole community kind of closer together. Um, you mentioned B-sides, Chris, right? And RSA, but like B-sides in these smaller groups, I mean, that's where we're all going to as professionals, as senior leaders, that's where the younger talent needs to go to. They need to figure out a way to get themselves in there and just talk about what they're looking to do and find the people that they want to talk to about it. It just, it collapses that whole process. Oh, um, at, at this weekend, we have um, a, a fellow individual that's big in the DC area, Tyrone Wilson. He, he had a, a group of, I would say, three to 400 people in a room and he asked, how many of you is this the first time that you're at a, a B-Sides? And almost a whole room went up. And so I, I love seeing that um, a lot of people are starting to come to these events because that, that's where you have that networking. That's where you build those connections and that will help you in the long run. Right. Yeah. So, Brian, we have a lot of discussion going on and I'm with you when it comes to um, specifically in the in the um, in the education of HR, because I see a lot of posts out there and they say, oh, HR, HR, HR. And I, I reiterate what you said, because I've been on both sides. I've been in the, the, the external agency side. I've been inside huge corporations doing this stuff and people don't fully understand the education piece. Because if you're, you know, most, if you're in a large organization, you're likely a technical recruiter if you're doing mm -hmm. IT recruiting. And, you know, think about that IT, like, what does that mean? <laughs> Cybersecurity sure. is a component of that. So you could have, I remember when I was working in one company, I had project managers, I had developers, I had, you know, all of these various things. Oh, and there's the cybersecurity stuff, you know, like it, it, it becomes this big thing where you're working on, at one point I was working on like quant analysts and you're working on all these different types of recs and then you have cybersecurity. So you're not an expert until you get completely entrenched in there. And if you think about having like, you know, we, we all think about our customers, as an individual recruiter, you have you may have twenty five. You have twenty five positions, and there are twenty five different managers. You have twenty five customers. Right. So, how much of that can you truly learn? Um, and 
a lot of organizations want recruiters to be fungible. They want you to be able to just pick up and jump into different recs and different positions and different, you know, work with different managers. And so that education, you know, the, the, the key component here is the education and to be able to, from a, a, a leadership standpoint and a management standpoint, relate that to a recruiter. And some of the best conversations I've had with hiring managers is when they were able to break it down to me. Like I would say to them, explain this to me like I'm five years old. Like I have no idea what you're talking about. The words were just flying around. I'm like, I have no idea what any of this means. And you know, and this is back in 2011. Like I have no idea what this stuff means. Can you please explain this? And then when they start breaking it down, it's like, oh, okay. So that makes sense. All right. So if I'm, you know, and then from there building the relationships with those hiring managers so that when I see a, something come across, it's like, oh, you know, take a look at this. Because I say this all the time too, recruiters don't want to look like idiots either. Like we don't want a manager, you mm-hmm. know, they say we want this, 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 and this. And they, you know, they write out their spec and then we see something and it's completely off. It looks off base. It might not be. But right. from our perspective, it's like, well, this doesn't look like what this what Brian said he wants. And yeah. then you don't, you know, give him that resume. And then you, you know, it's this whole, it's a combination of various things going on. And I don't think people fully understand, but yeah. there are tons of comments here. So let's start at the top. Ade Adewumi. Hey, Ade. He says, thanks for this discussion. Does years in IT and IT operations with wide knowledge of IT infrastructure matter in getting cyber getting into cybersecurity or just a certification regardless of background? That's mm. one of the questions. Go ahead, Chris. I, I was gonna say I think if you understand the tech that it runs on, then you can more easily pivot to securing it. Yeah. Simple answer. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I'll, I'll say something controversial in the sense that um, to to I would say for eighty percent yeah, I'm going to throw it out there. Oh, not, not a specific number. I would think that a majority, so that could be more than 50, less than 100. Um, a majority of cybersecurity work isn't really anything more than good engineering and architecture. You know, yep. a, a lot of vendors are out there wanting you to believe otherwise. Uh, don't don't buy the hype. It's uh, If you've got a solid understanding of networking, of systems administration, of identity and access management, uh, there's no reason you can't seamlessly work yourself into a majority of operations within a security team. I think the outliers, and this is where I'll get a lot of hate mail on, you know, that don't fit that mold are your cert, right? The guys and girls who are looking and scraping and carving PCAP and deep diving at that level but everything else is the infrastructure that those folks are protecting and watching. It's just engineering. I mean, really think about, you know, vulnerability management, configuration management, identity access management. The, these are core areas that every cybersecurity team is responsible for. You don't need to have anything more than probably five years in IT, maybe even less, or at least just a background. I mean, this is the stuff they're teaching in college to be able to effectively go into an organization and change those, right? I mean, you're talking about the biggest pain points to organizations. Oh, we have admin uh, credentials that are outside of control. Oh, we're not patching. Oh, we misconfigured our firewall. Like Those three things lead to like most breaches, right? Or or real issues. And they're not that special inside of cybersecurity. Like that's just really good IT. So yeah. to, to our commenter, 
it, the certs are just your way of validating, you know, one, how to take a test, two, you know how to study and see something all the way through. And three, if you're in the military or the DOD, you've met the 8570 requirement that they put in there. Great. Well, everything else is experience and education. And can you show me that you know and understand IT to be able to lock it down so that we don't have cyber issues? And that goes back to the, the fundamentals of everything, people, process, and then technology. Because if you don't understand what your organization is doing, what their core mission is, that's one part. Then how do they do their mission so that you know where you need to secure, what you need to secure, then you can layer in the tech. But if those two first two parts are unknown to you, you're likely, you're very unlikely to be able to add tech in and be able to be successful. Yeah. Right. Think, think, think about the loop of what happens. Like anytime like a threat hunter finds anything, okay, it's it's just a loop back to some type of change management that they can then find again. It's like, oh, I found somebody breaching, uh, you know, accessing all these Apache web servers on the front end. Well, what should happen? There should be a change management inside the organization, which is just like, it's just architecture and engineering. So then these guys don't see it again. That's that's what that front line is continually just feeding is just more and more engineering and architecture. It's, uh, I don't know. I think there's a, a lot of people kind of get lost on it. They think it's sexier and more mysterious than it is. And um, it's not. Yeah, we're trying to break that down. Yeah, it's an day one stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sharuk MD Sharuk says most people are telling me that automation and security, uh, in, such as in a SIM or a SOC, will cut many jobs. Is that true? They want to know your valuable input on it. I think it's what it's going to do. It's going to cut certain jobs, but it's going to increase others. One is it's definitely going to cut tier one capabilities down. But let's all be honest, nobody wants to do those jobs anyway. Okay, everybody wants to go into the cooler stuff. That's fine. You still need to cut your teeth somewhere. What it will create are automation specialists. Who is going somebody has to program all that automation, because no matter what platform you buy and from whomever, it's going that product is built to work for as many people as possible from the vendor. It's not built to work for you. So you're going to need automation specialists, soar, and uh, you know Python, you know people who really understand all this stuff to be able to go. Okay, great. I now have this eighty percent or seventy percent solution. I now need to make it work for my organization. Just to Chris's point, it's like you need to make it work for your business. Those people are going to be in super demand. So if you can understand Python, if you can understand scripting, and you can understand all that type of automation and start learning that, that's where that job will take off. And you're just gonna be able to. Not, I wouldn't even say you're going to replace tier one because there's not going to be enough tier one people to fill all those jobs anyway. You're going to be able to allow your organization to work at scale. Chances are you're still going to be able to have to, you know, uh, uh, fill a tier one role. But the reality is you actually need 10. Soar will let you have one person and soar or, you know, security orchestration and automation to be able to handle the other nine roles that you can't possibly fill or afford. And the other thing, um, Emily Crows from Dragos brought this up in her talk, is that for the majority of the companies out there that claim that they have AI and ML, it's really humans behind the scenes <laughs> that are 
finding the signatures, programming it into the technology, and it's really a fake version of the mechanical Turk <laughs> yeah. that they just have people behind the scenes programming that. So yeah. it's going to be and the same in the company. If the tech isn't good enough, you need people to support the tech. And to get the tech good enough, you need people to get it there. At best, it's complex or basic logic. This is all that's happening. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all that's happening. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry to break everybody. I'm going to, people are going to be, <laughs> somebody's going to firebomb my house now from some vendor because I just, you know. But hey, yeah, if, if you're not know. following me on anything else, you, you they knew what they're getting. So, so more comments. Leonard Anamini says, or Anamini says, absolutely he's he's making a comment to a point that you made earlier brian he says absolutely you need to create it before you need it meaning your mm -hmm. network that's the answer i'm a victim of it an introvert per excellence and i paid for it yeah. then um katia dean says oh my god yes i agree and i think they're all talking about creating your network um that's very correct i posted on this last time um and this person um ilongo says hr and security managers seriously need to connect um that's where the gap is so people are really passionate about this you know the hr part uh katia dean asks does the hr department have a have a guide to follow for writing a cybersecurity position. Can he discuss why these jobs are asking for senior level certs for entry level, asking for a CISSP? They're never asking for themselves, yeah. always asking for a friend. Right, always asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it, it goes back to the earlier point, like the CISO, the IT, the security group or the IT group, you know, sometimes it's a CIO trying to staff for a security role. Um, you know, it's it's neither one's fault. So like, let's not let's not get on like HR versus you know because that's then like IT versus security. Let's not it's not about that. It's about enabling each other and helping each other see what the other needs and then coming to a common solution, right? Um, the the whole I don't understand why people don't understand how what it is that they want. Like, and that sounds kind of weird, but like if I'm a hiring manager and I'm looking for a tier one or a tier two person. If I'm senior level enough to have been in the role that I am to hire for a role like that, I should know what's realistic. I shouldn't be going in and asking for unicorns on everything. And I think that's what's happening. You see, I saw a role the other day for because I just like surfing through because I got a friend who's looking for a role and I was trying to help position her to a um, to something in the area that that I could steer. I wanted to steer towards success. I didn't want to steer towards a company I knew she was going to have a hard time at. And one of the ones I was looking at, I was like, yeah, I was like, one to three years, CISSP. I was like, did the person who wrote that not remember that the CISSP five requires years. five years in field to be able to get the CISSP? Like, are we just not even trying? Are we just throwing out there because that's what we've been told, right? And it's just, it, it, it's just too hard to write the rec. Now I get it. Like I've been in that position where it's like, you know, I just don't have time as a CISO. I just wish that people would materialize. But if you want to build a good team underneath you, it requires work as a leader, as a builder. Team building doesn't just happen. It, we're not looking for factory workers who just are punching something, right? And creating a widget. You know, we're we're looking for people who are passionate about something. Ideally, they're going to stay with you a long time. Are going to help you build not just the team, but your organization. 
And you need to invest a little upfront to make sure that what you're looking for is right, because those types of things are what's going to keep people from hiring anybody. And ultimately, it's going to land on you when senior people above you, like the board or the CEO, are looking at why are you deficient on your KPIs? Why aren't you meeting any of your, you know, what it is you're trying to go do? And your answer is, oh, I can't find the right people. Yeah. That's not going to fly for very long. And that that's what used to happen in, you know, some of these organizations that I've been in where it's like an audit finding and, you know, it's like, hey, why can't you find these people? What's going on? And right. it really, really, you know, there's but so there's but so much finger pointing to HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 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 hey, get it together. So um another well, part. I was Renee on that one point. I will say there is one aspect I think that HR does need to maybe wrap their head around a little bit more. There's a little bit of pain in, and that's pricing the salaries. I think too many times I've heard the whole, well, you know, we're in this location, so we can only afford this. It's like you're not basing it on the fact that cybersecurity people are in such demand that the demand is now creating you to look at this and stop looking at just your local demographic as far as your salary data, you, you really need to look at how are we going to draw people in to come work for us, right? What are the right. other perks you're going to align for? That's an area that I think HR probably needs a lot more help on than anything else. Everything yeah. else is like well within the hiring manager's ability to influence properly. Oh, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, I started a training for HR professionals and um, to KT's point, you know, do they get a, an, an overview um, I think she asked, is there a guide to follow for writing cybersecurity positions? No, not that I'm aware of. I think maybe there's one company doing that. But I was actually out there trying to work with recruitment teams because I struggled. It was kind of like a gift to my my prior self. Hmm. Because when I got into the industry, you know, I had I didn't know anything about cyber. Like I said, the word vulnerability management. What was the running joke? I said, um, I call incident response incidents. <laughs> so I spelled it like incidents and they were like, no, it's incident response. So I ended up sitting with these, I was like, okay, I need to come sit next to you. Like I I, I really need to understand this stuff. Yeah. But I'm that kind of person that I want, like when it's a, a challenge or a problem, I'm like, ooh, that's like exciting for me. Like, what is this stuff? I want to figure it out. And I guess, and I get that everybody isn't necessarily like that in any role that they're in. So I was like that as a recruiter because I'm super passionate about ma- making that match. It's like a mm-hmm. matchmaking thing for me. So I'm like, oh, I saw this person. They look like a good fit. You know, I want to match them together and I want to help you, the hiring manager, because I know I'm here as your kind of like support because this isn't your day job, right? You shouldn't be out right. here try- going through thousands of resumes trying to figure out who's who. So help me help you. You know, that was me. But I get that there are other, you know, HR departments and recruitment departments out there. Or sometimes there's HR departments of one and they have like yeah. all kinds. So they're hiring customer service reps and accountants and all kinds of different stuff. And then, oh, by the way, you know, can you find me a cybersecurity person? They're like, mm-hmm. what? So to Katie's point, I think some of the bigger companies may have um, maybe, I mean, a couple of years ago when I was trying to do it, they didn't have it and didn't seem to want it. Um, may have some kind of like training or so. So hint, hint, anybody wants some cybersecurity training, come over here, <laughs> plug for me. Um, but I hear you, Brian, one of the CISOs that I worked with, he was extremely um, focused on making sure that the salaries were aligned mm-hmm. and do- doing those compensation um, 
uh, compensation awareness and compensation um, um, data analysis to ensure that we're not looking at, you know, just project managers. Because when you think of IT, right, it's just so mm -hmm. broad and generic. So you're throwing in IT, you're throwing in PMs with right. Java developers and all kinds of stuff kind of mixed in there. And then you come up with this average number and it's just like, hey, these people are not cybersecurity people. This right. is a whole different space. You have to have like a specialized compensation yep. analysis done around those particular salaries. And at this point, it's like specialized compensation around all these different roles because, mm -hmm. you know, AI and data analysis and all that stuff, that all of these are so specialized that you can't just have some generic, oh, an IT analyst costs X amount of dollars. Right. Um, so I agree with you 100%. I know Chris um, wants to say something. Yeah, it was, it's kind of to pivot to a point that's gone by, but I think it still uh, it still resonates with this. Uh, similar to networking, where you want to build it out before you need it, it's the same for your technology stack. If you're waiting to the point where you need an automation or a sim to help you out, it's mm -hmm. likely too late. Right. You have to start to see the trends in your in your organization. Start to build that out ahead of time and then go from there. And then it's the same for training. Start to see where the industry is going, find out more about that area, and then you can future-proof yourself that way. Mm -hmm. You can see what's happening, and before you need it, you're already trained up on it, or you know at least enough to talk about it. And I think that's one of the reasons that I think I've been so successful is that I try to learn a little bit about everything to the point where if someone asks me for a point of view, I have a point of view on almost everything. Now, can I have a deep down discussion? No, I'll need to do some research. Um, but at least I could give you a point of view from a 30,000 foot level. Yeah. There's another comment here, Lieutenant Colonel Wendy O. Brown. Hi, Lieutenant Colonel Wendy O. Brown. She says, the challenge of getting a cybersecurity job is getting the first one because cybersecurity jobs require experience. And unfortunately, you know, that's another chicken and egg scenario because technically you should have open positions that don't, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, more often than not, there are asking for a lot of leaders are asking for that experience. Well, but I think, I think okay. it's back to what Brian mentioned earlier, your infrastructure positions, those mm -hmm. are all feeder positions into cybersecurity. And right. if you know how to operate the technology, then you can secure it. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, so, um, ma'am, great question. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that you can do in that area is, is to Chris's point, but like, say you wanted to get into a, a company I would be, and you didn't have cyber experience, you know, you've got to one, be okay with, Hey, maybe it's not going to be this year. It's going to be next year, or the year after apply for the roles that are in ancillary departments, right? Apply for the IT role, right? Show and prove your worth there. The other thing is you can show your experience a lot of different ways. And this was what actually I said on that video at ISC Squared, which was, you know, during interviews, you know, I don't ask about, you know, your college, like, tell me about that. It's like, tell me about your passion. What do you do outside of work? Tell me about your home network. You can take so many things that you do in a regular or, or any type of, I don't want to say regular, any type of IT job and be able to showcase the security aspect for it, the risk management aspect for it. There are so many different things that, that you can pull out 
and show. Sure, you didn't have the title of cybersecurity, whatever, or cyber this or that. You know, you were a systems administrator, but if every bullet point underneath that is talking about how you did, you know, best practices aligned with NIST and the critical security controls top 20, um, you were using, you know, these benchmarks or or that, or you were, you know, handled vulnerability management or configurations or talked about, like, the sky's the limit on, on how you craft your story in line with what you've done before. And then that's what everyone's reading. Now, yeah. hopefully you've got somebody who's reading it that's going, oh, you're a systems administrator, but you did, wow, you did all this stuff? I would be super impressed with that versus cybersecurity, sat on a sock, did tickets. Like, like if you just kind of stocked your resume that way, that yeah. would be the one that jumps out to me. But again, yeah. you're looking for leaders and managers who can read that and, and can understand that nuance. Right. Not everybody can, you know, deep dive and actually see past or, or read exactly what's going on. They're just going, you didn't have a cyber, you know, title. So in, in addition to add on to that, I would add impact. What problems did you solve? What impact did it have so that you can have that story in your resume so that they go, OK, he was a system admin, but he helped improve the security posture and right. it had the impact of shaving down patch time by six hours every day. Yeah. Show the right. metrics All, like that. You should do that with resumes anyway. Like what percentage of something did you change? What number of whatever did you decrease or increase? How did you how did you help profitability for the business? Um, you know, like if you look actually, it's funny if you look at a CEO's resume and how those are written, that's exactly how they're written. Right. They drove a business line for 115 percent year over year growth. Like that's a metric that people who are hiring people like that. That's impressive. We need to start writing resumes like that ourselves, not just I know Palo Alto and Cisco firewalls. Great. You know, two great firewalls. What can you do with them? Yeah. So, Brian, this is a hot topic, so we'll have to have you back. But we're at 41 minutes. Oh. And I know Chris is about to try, right? Didn't it go fast? That so was good. Chris is going to ask his final question, and then we will um, we, we will have to bring you back to do it again because everybody's chiming in. I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, so, Brian, if you had to summarize our whole entire conversation into one piece of sage advice, what would that be? If you want it, you can do it. This is not that hard of an industry to break into as much as people might think. You just got to be creative. I think you really got to want it. And you've just got to show your own passion about what it is you can do, as well as some innovation in kind of maybe even just hacking the system itself on getting the job that you want. I love yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. That's what Chris is going to be talking about. He was supposed to talk about it at RSA. It didn't happen. But um, so... We are going to wrap this final this edition of special edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Thank you, everyone, for being here and have a good afternoon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, and thank everyone. you, everyone, for your comments. The comments were amazing today. Thank you. Take care. Okay, bye.